So we've been talking for several weeks about things in our culture that um, people seem to think are okay. Um, I read an article this week that really bothered me, not the answer, but the question. And so this, this lady from Sweden said she was a new Christian and that, um, that her pastor doesn't preach about sin. And so I decided to look up the, the answer to that because I thought, man, what pastor can't preach about sin? And, and uh, this is on John Piper's website. And if you want to find a lot of deep stuff, you go to John Piper's website, desiringgod.org. And what he said was, there's a couple of problems with this. Let's see if I still have it up here. Okay, so here's what he says. Um, I read it again and left it down at the bottom. He said, I think the church is profoundly defective if that pastor's not preaching about sin. Um, he said, uh, it is unfaithful to the word of God. That's way too much light. I don't know why we're doing all of that. that I don't want to see you that well. Um, I love you, but, you know, I want to see just general expressions, not, not HD. Okay. Uh, anyway, so here's what he says. He says, um, if you're not preaching about sin, you're being unfaithful to the word of God. Over and over, issue after issue, controversy after controversy, sin after sin is traced back up the stream to its watershed issue. Do the leaders and the people treasure the word of God above all else? Do they treasure the word of God above gold? Do they savor the word of God as sweeter than honey? Do they submit to the word of God gladly in its truth and its proportions? That's the watershed issue over and over again that I'm seeing in these days right here. People make up their own rules and they don't submit to the word of God. And so that, that is the issue that should determine whether you plug into a church or not is do they believe, do they teach, do they submit to the word of God? That's it. And then do they teach the whole council, not just portions. You can't pick and choose. This is not a buffet. I don't know if they're even going to have buffets again after COVID, right? They're going to be serving stuff. Um, I don't know. But anyway, so, so it really bothered me, and I wanted, I wanted to point this out as we start today's message because every sin, I want you to say every sin. No, I want you to say every sin starts, it begins in the heart. Solomon said, above all else, guard your heart because everything you do flows out of it. Jesus said, even the words you speak come out of your heart. So if there's bitterness or anger, it has to be in your heart. And we're going to talk about a, you know, something today that, that a lot of people don't think is a big deal. Because what we've said over and over for, for several weeks now is everybody agrees murder's wrong, rape's wrong, stealing's wrong. Everybody agrees that getting mad at the preacher when he goes a few minutes over, you know, past the hour, that's wrong before the guy. Wait, wait, did I throw mine in there? Uh, yeah, y'all get mad. One of, my, one of my favorite pictures, I wish I had it. I don't have this picture. I don't know where it is. Is um, one time I went long, like 10 minutes, you know, God forbid, 10 minutes long. And uh, every, somebody took this picture, and this was not staged. Every child and every worker in the children's area back there was sticking their head out looking at this door like, where's Pastor Doug? What's going on? And Janie has told me on numerous occasions, she'll throw me under the bus when she's back there with those three-year-olds. I don't know what's wrong with Pastor Doug today. He's going long, right? Anyway, threw mine in there. So there's some things that aren't as big a deal as others to us. And we've looked at two things that our world says, not that big a deal. Lying, a huh, little white lie, no big deal. Gossip, oh, it's everywhere. But we found out that God hates them. In fact, it makes God want to vomit is what the scripture says. So we cannot claim to be following Jesus and allow lying and gossip to be in our lives or in this church. Can't do it. 
can't do it and claim to follow Jesus. We can't do it and claim to be people of the word. Now, we're going to look at another one today that people say, oh, it's just not that big a deal. It's just who we are. But before we get to that, let's, let's do our prayer. We're going to say our prayer, which is um, Psalm 139, 23, 24. This is what David prayed to God. And so I'm going to read it, and then we're going to pray it out loud. Search me, O God, and know my heart. I want you to focus on your heart, not the person that's sitting next to you, not the person who's sitting up here in front of you. Well, your heart, because that's what we do, right? People all the time say, well, my life's not as bad as yours. My sin's not as bad as yours. It is not about that. It is about your heart. So you're going to emphasize that. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you, God. That should actually be a capital Y. I didn't put that in there. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. So let's say this again. And, and by the way, if you don't mean it, don't say it. Just whisper it. You know, just mouth your words so the person next to you won't know that you don't mean this. Um, but, but seriously, if you ask God to do this, he'll do it. So join me. If you're home, freak your children out and say it out loud with me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Now, as we jump into today's topic, I want to ask you, have you ever heard this slogan? Go ahead and put that up there if you would, Krista, the next, Krista, Krista. This slogan, next slide. Sorry. Have y'all ever heard this? Do you know when this officially was attached to an advertising slogan? The year was 1870. A tobacco company started using sexual innuendo to try to sell their tobacco. Because you know some dude was out there going, hey, if I smoke that, she'll like me, right? That's what it was. It started in 1870, but it goes way further than that. It didn't just happen in the last 150 years. Pagan religions, pagan religions do not believe in the one true God. They use temple worship, uh, temple prostitutes to get dudes to come to worship. I'm not making this up. They would say that if you want your crops to grow, that you need to come and have sex with the temple prostitutes as you worship God. And so the dudes are like going, honey, I got to go to church. And she's like, again, yeah, if you want food on the table, I got to go to church. They've been selling sex as long as people have been alive. And people say, well, it's just not that big a deal. Yes, it is. Because... This is not just a guy problem. Christian, uh, a Christian women's magazine said that today, one in six women are addicted to pornography. That's way higher than it used to be. Now, guys, we're, we're, we can't throw any stones. We're, we're men, including Christian men, over 50% are addicted to pornography. That's ridiculous. And the women's numbers are coming up. This is not just a man issue. And it's also not just an adult issue. The fastest growing segment of addiction to porn is 12 to 17-year-olds. And it's because of this. It's everywhere. And I'm just going to say it. If you don't have some kind of screening on your children's phone or they're on the computer, then, then you are just opening them up to a path to darkness. That, that I talked to somebody a while back and, and they were telling me about somebody they knew that, that still looks at pornography like into their 80s. And I said, I guess this is a problem that doesn't go away. And they said, this is a problem that doesn't go away on its own. It's an epidemic far worse than, than COVID-19. Um, part of the reason is because we just, it's everywhere. And so not only is it everywhere, but our standards are so much lower. Here's an example, okay? I got a picture I'm going to put on the screen. And so just tell me what TV show this picture came from. 
I love Lucy. Not only was she married to him in the sitcom, when this was filmed, she was married to the dude in real life. And what do they do? They're in separate beds. In the 60s, we didn't think anything of them being in the separate beds. No big deal. And so I actually looked it up. I said, I want to know why did they put this on TV? And here's what it said, quote, in an effort to diminish any sexual relations between the couple, we put separate beds. And I'm going, oh, dear God, please, somebody bring this back. I don't want to watch people sucking face and doing more than that, right? I, I, no, someone, please bring this back. And here's the argument. The argument is, I'm not hurting anyone. According to the word of God, you are. You're hurting yourself. And, and you're hurting your spouse. What if I'm not married? You're hurting your future spouse. What if, what if I don't have children? You're hurting your future children when you do this. No one knows about it. Oh, you know about it. God knows about it. And, and the scripture says in the Old Testament, be very sure your sins will always, always find you out. It's going to come out. This is just who I am. This is just what I go through. Nope. That's what people do to justify sinful behavior and habits. So when I read this article about my pastor doesn't preach about sin, one of the things he said was, if, you, if your pastor doesn't preach about sin, he is not at all like Jesus Christ. Because I want you to see what Jesus Christ said about this sin in Matthew 5, 27 and 28. You have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. Let me just say, if you want a good seven-day devotional, I'm four or five days in, I don't remember. Um, there's a devotional on version that says you've heard it said. Great devotional about... What, how Jesus taught. So anyway, that's just a free advertisement. You've heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery, but I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And if you're just, even if you're not a Christ follower and you're just casually leading through the scriptures and you get here, you got to go, uh, this is a big deal. Lust is a big deal. See, Jesus is talking to a group of people that had heard the seventh commandment. So let me just ask, how many of you grew up in church? I mean, from the, your earliest memories, you were in church. All right, that's actually a bunch of us. Of those of you who raised your hands, how many of you, if I were to say, hey, have you ever heard of Adam and Eve? How many of you go, yeah, duh, dipstick, you know? Or how many of you have heard that, that Mary and Joseph were the parents of Jesus? How many of you heard of the virgin birth? That's what Jesus is doing when he's saying to these people, have you heard of the seventh commandment? Well, of course we've heard of the seventh commandment. And in fact, we've never done that one. We've never come close. Woo, woo. You've heard of the not, not committing adultery? We've dodged that one. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Keep preaching. Woo. And then Jesus goes. Jesus said, if you lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. If you look at a woman to lust, you've committed adultery. And here's the, here's the problem with, with preachers that don't preach about sin, churches that don't preach about sin. Jesus never lowered the standard. He always raised it. So not only have you not committed adultery, he says, if you've looked with lust... You've done it. Now, he's not saying it's the same thing because here's the way people work. Oh, well, if I've looked at her and I've committed adultery, might as well go do it. Well, that's stupid. <laughs> he always raises the standard. He invented sex. He gets to tell us how it works. And anytime he tells you no, it's always because he wants to provide something better. Believe it or not, when your heavenly father tells you no, it's a positive answer, not a negative answer. 
because he wants to protect you and provide for something better in the future. Sexual impurity begins as a desire of the heart. The desire and the deed are not identical, but the results are the same because they separate you from God. Lust in the heart separates me from God. Adultery separates me from God. And see, the look Jesus mentioned, it wasn't a casual look. It wasn't an innocent thing where something flashes before your eyes. One of my favorite stories, I believe it was Hannah. Hannah and Rachel were walking with Janie. We were in um, uh, whatever that mall is, Grapevine Mills Mall. And we were going by, I think it was, I don't know, if I even say Abercrombie and Fitch, I think that's what it was. You know, there's a dude up there with his shirt off and, and, you know, he's ripped and all that stuff. I wasn't with him. Caleb and I were somewhere else. And so um, I think it was Hannah, one of them said, shield your eyes, shield your eyes. Right? They were young enough that, that, that they knew. Mm-mm. Okay, so that's what we should do. It, it, it's not talking about you're driving down the road and you see something. It, it's talking about intention. The look was not accidental. Accidental. It was planned. And the look was, I'm going to stare long enough to contemplate sex with that person. I'm going to accept a counterfeit for the real deal. And that separates you from God. Now, look what James, the half-brother of Jesus, said about this. He said, temptation comes from your own desires. Now, desires aren't bad, right? Desires are neutral. It's what you do with the desire that determines whether it's good or bad. For example, unless we felt the desires from hunger and thirst, we would never eat or drink and we would die. But would you agree with me that it's possible to eat too much? Would you agree with me it's possible to drink too much? Unless we felt the desire for sleep and rest, we would never take a break. Our bodies would wear out. But would you agree with me it is possible to rest too much? Yes, okay. Sex is a normal desire, and, and just think of it logically. If, if we didn't have a sexual desire, the human race would cease to exist eventually, right? But would you agree with me that although sex is great and it was given by God for marriage, would you agree with me that sex is abused a lot? Yes, even in marriages. So he says, temptation comes from our own desires, which are neither good or bad, but here's what happens. These desires, neither good or bad, will entice us. So the original um, Greek means to bait a hook. And so I have a couple of lures here. I'm going to talk about these. Um, this is one of my favorite. Now, this is just a worm, right? And, and where's the hook? Can you see how it's, I've got it? This is called weedless because you, you hook it where the, the hook is inside the body so that when the fish gets it, you set the hook. Then the fish sees this awesome worm. Now, you, you're not tempted, are you? Nobody wants to eat this. Mmm, yeah. No, but you drop it out there and you bring it through and it swims. This tail is just this awesome little tail. Now, my favorite one, I didn't bring it out because it stinks, is, is Berkeley power worms and they smell like garlic, right? And my cats, now my cats have gotten in my shed and eaten the, the garlic-smelled worms and they were very disappointed. Um, but, but you hide the hook so that all the worm sees is, is the bait. That's the word used here. And then the second one, it says, our desires entice us. They try to, try to trap us with a hook. And the second one is drag us away. And it literally means like you, make, you, you put out a trap. Um, I've borrowed George's traps before trying to catch varmints that were eating my dog food. And one time I caught a skunk. And you don't want to catch a skunk. That is not a pleasant experience. But, but I was able to get rid of him um, or her. I don't know. But it was not pleasant. But the reason you, you trap it for the purpose of either moving it to another location where it doesn't want to be 
we're killing it, right? That's the purpose of these temptations and desires, to trap us, to hook us, and lead us away from where we need to go. So, okay, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, what meaning, it's no big deal. My sin's no big deal. It's unconfessed. It's no big deal. It's just who I am. When you allow it to do that, it gives birth to death. Now, the, the Greek word for um, entice is actually delaodzo. That's a fun word to say. Say delaodzo. If you, if you need to break it down, say delaodzo. Now put it together. Delaodzo. Literally means to entrap or to hook, entice or to hook. Temptation carries with it this bait. Oh, I have a, I have a, uh, <laughs> a jig here as well. And, and where is the hook in the jig? It's hidden. So that this, you, you bounce this along sometimes faster than others, depending on the conditions. I keep looking at Chase because he's the fisherman. Chase, Chase is a guide. And the fish doesn't see the hook. What the fish sees is, ooh, that's something good to eat. And by the time it's hooked, it's too late, right? The bait not only attracts us, but the bait was designed to keep us from seeing the hook. Because anybody with any amount of brains would go, oh, I'm about to get hooked. But when it comes to desires, we lose all our brains, don't we, guys? When David looked at Bathsheba, right, King David, he's on the roof, he's looking at Bathsheba, did he think, ooh, there's a hook? Did he think about getting her pregnant, killing her husband, lying about it, getting outed by a prophet Nathan, the whole nation finding out about it, and then watching the child die as God's punishment on his sin? Did he think about those things? That was the hook. Nope, Bathsheba looked good. He never saw the hook until it was way too late. The enemy always hides the hook. And it's one of the reasons you need a mature Christian friend, at least one, who go, no, 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 time out. Ah! Don't go there, you idiot. That's, that's the translation. Because there's a hook. And everything you say you hold dear, you're about to give up. When Jesus was tempted by the enemy, what did he do? He immediately based his reactions on the word of God, not on public opinion. And there's a lot of public opinion right now. Both sides of the issue. Because think about this. After Jesus was tempted, 40 days in the wilderness, he fasted. What, is, what do you think is the most prevalent desire in Jesus Christ after he didn't eat for 40 days? Food, hunger. He has a desire. Is the hunger wrong? Absolutely not. And here's how you and I think. I've got the power. Let's make some stones into bread. Let's have a little schlotzkies. What's wrong with that? After all, it's a legitimate need. It was an illegitimate way to meet the need because it would force Jesus to do things outside of God's will. That's what happens when you live by your desires. Notice the progression. Here's the progression. Desire goes unchecked. Good desire, but it goes unchecked. Gives birth to sin. Sin leads to death. Now, some of you are going, death, really? Sometimes, yeah, sometimes physical death. But always death of purity, death of intimacy, death of trust in relationships, spiritual death. When temptation grows into actions and continues unchecked, it is incredibly destructive. If you don't believe it, you just stay on the path you're on. And you will end up way far from God. You'll end up destroying everything you have with God and probably destroying the family that you say you love. Just, just stay on that path. 
sin, all sin, but especially sexual sin, over-promises and under-delivers. When David was being confronted, Bathsheba didn't look nearly as good as she did when he was on his rooftop. Because when you go after that sin, when you, when you give in and you get hooked, one day you're going to be void of intimacy. You'll, you'll not even have the capacity because your heart will be hardened. Void of depth in relationship with human beings and void of spiritual life with God. It leads to death. There's three types of death. There's physical death. We've all seen that. I remember when one of my dogs got run over when I was a kid. I, that's the first time I really saw death. I was like, oh, man, he gone. I was, I was out. Corky, my dog's name was Corky. Great dog. He used to play baseball in the backyard. He was best teammate because wherever the ball went, he'd go get it and he'd bring it to me. So I'd tag people out. It was awesome. And then Corky got run over because we lived near a highway. And I remember seeing Corky dead. Physical death. Spiritual death is separation between you and God. And that happens because you sin. And then the one you do not want to mess with is eternal death. That's when you die physically, you're separated from God eternally. Sin leads to death. If you don't believe it, stay on the path. Or here's, the, here's what a wiser person does. A wiser person watches someone else on the path and goes, I don't want to go there. And you try to warn them, you know, there's this huge hole. They're going 90 miles an hour. They're going to die if they keep going. You're warning them. I don't care what you say. They die. As I was reading in my devotional this week, um, I came across the King James Version and I don't usually use the King James Version. I give Casey a hard time when he does. Um, but I grew up on the King James Version, but I read this and it startled me. And I thought, somebody in this congregation or somebody online needs to hear, you need to be startled today. Here's what Hebrews 13.4 says. Marriage is honorable, and of course that's underlined in, on my computer because it's not spelled correctly, but that's how it is in the King James. Marriage is honorable in all. And the bed undefiled. So the, the, another translation says, you better keep the marriage bed pure. But here's what I want you to see. This is where the, the, the King James didn't hold anything about. Whoremongers and adulterers. Right there together. Whoremongers, adulterers. And what's God going to do to them? Judge. Don't you think this isn't a big deal? See, our desires, while they're not bad... They can control us. So desires must be our servants, not our masters. And that's how Jesus reacted whenever he was tempted. That's the next one. Desires must be our servants, not our masters. Okay, so let's talk about this real quickly. How are we hooked? If we're smart enough, we should be smart enough. How are we hooked? Okay, first thing is you're exposed to some form of impurity. For me, I still remember this as clear as day. It was when I went over to my friend Darren's house. Darren, we went to church together. There was no reason for my mom to think there was anything wrong, but I went to Darren's house. I'm about 10 or 11 years old. His brother was much older than us. His brother got into lots of trouble, and his, he, Darren walks in, and he pulls a Playboy magazine out from underneath the mattress, and he says, here, Doug, look at this. I'm 10 or 11. I've never seen anything like that before. I, I throw it open, and honestly, I thought, what's the big deal? Ain't nothing. I just went, okay, gave it back but impurity had entered my mind. Because a couple of years later, when I go through puberty, some of those images come back up. It made it very easy for me to slip into porn. A drop of darkness was introduced to my mind, and as a 10-year-old boy, I didn't know I was supposed to guard my mind. I didn't know what to do with that, so I was exposed. The second thing is I was injured. I didn't even know I was injured by this. What used to be pure, my mind, towards women was now impure because I was exposed and I didn't know what to do with it. 
didn't even know I was injured. Let me tell you about a time I knew I was injured. Um, I was going home from school one day, and there's this little boy. I was like third grade, and he, he invited me to come over to his house, so I ride my bicycle over to his house, and he lived, um, I mean, not even 30, 40 feet from this big old building. It was a dry cleaner's. It was a pier and beam building, and so underneath was a crawl space. Well, see, he said, hey, Doug, come to my house today, and let's go to my secret clubhouse. Well, this is a third grader. I'm like, secret clubhouse? Sweet. He said, it'll just be me and you. We'll go there. And so I said, okay. So we go under, and it's such a tall pier and beam building that as third graders, we could walk around almost straight up without bumping our heads. Every once in a while, you know, the, the floor joists would be going across, and you'd have to duck underneath. But I thought, man, this is cool. And so it's in, it's in the panhandle of Borger, Texas, and so it literally was cool under there. It's hot outside. It's cool under there. It's nice dirt floor. There's all these big tanks with chemicals in them. I didn't know anything about that. But my friend, for whatever reason, decides that he wants to start a fire and he has he has one of those ketchup bottles you know from like a restaurant um but it's full of lighter fluid so he goes hey let's start a fire i mean because like third grade words like yeah let's start a fire so he starts a fire and i don't I, to this day i don't know how he didn't get burned because he's he's the fires get bigger he's squirting he's squirting and somehow he gets close gets close enough that the 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 ketchup bottle melts and then it just goes well, the fire department had been to my school recently, and I know you're supposed to stomp that sucker out. So I started stomping it out. Well, what I had on was polyester socks, because that's all we wore in 1973 was polyester socks. I had on blue jeans, but it caught my sock on fire and immediately melted it to my skin. And, and I got a third-degree burn that day. I didn't realize I got a third-degree burn, but I got a third-degree burn that day. It was so bad I couldn't walk. It's right above my ankle. To this day, you can see the scar on my ankle. Um, no hair has ever grown there, and women are like, yay, but, but it, it, I can feel it a little bit, but not a whole lot. Um, you can pinch it, you can pinch really hard, and, and I lost feeling there. So a friend of mine heard me screaming, and she happened to be going home. She lived two doors up. She came and got my bicycle. I sat on the handlebars of my bicycle, and she, we called it pumping. You pumped someone home. She pumped me home and was like, hey, Ms. Washburn, Doug got burned. You know, my mom was mad. Anyway, um, I go to the hospital, and, and they have to do all kinds of stuff because it was a third-degree burn. It was a bad deal. I knew I was injured, but I didn't know why. I don't know why to this day he built this, this fire underneath there, but it took a long time, many weeks. I was on crutches for a while. Um, I had to go to school like that. It was, it was a big deal. It took a long time to heal, and every three days I had to go back to the doctor's office so that they could change the dressing and that was one of the most painful experiences I've ever had because it starts scarring about that amount of time and they would rip it off and they would put a new one on and I have that scar today I didn't realize my life was in danger I didn't realize that that I was going to be exposed to something stupid and I didn't realize that I was going to be injured that day but I was injured that day and that's exactly what happened to my mind spiritually at Darren's house when he pulled out a Playboy magazine the first time I ever saw it darkness entered my mind and I didn't know what to do with it because I'd never been taught so you're exposed you're injured and you become confused a couple years later Girls developed shape, shapes, and, and, I, and I liked that. I'd always liked girls. Now, okay, I'd been kissing girls since I was in kindergarten, but there was nothing impure there until after the darkness came in my mind. And, and if you're like a lot of people, you simultaneously, you like it, but you know it's wrong. 
and there's something dark that pulls you to doing something wrong, you know it's not right, and, and, and then you feel guilty later. And people say, God, please help me. I'll never do it again. And they stay sexually sober for three or four days, and then what do they do? They do it again. It happens again, and they feel worse. And, and, uh, and a lot of times it happens when you're not where you should be. You remember where David was when he saw Bathsheba on the roof? Do you remember where he was supposed to be? At war. Scripture says very clearly, at the time when kings go out to war, David was home. King David, greatest king in Israel's history. When kings go out to war, because, you know, there's rainy season and all that stuff, so they, they took a break. It was halftime. After halftime, y'all go. Y'all go to war. I'm going to be bored, and I'm going to walk around on my rooftop until I see a good-looking woman, and then I'm, because I'm king, I can have her. His boredom cost him dearly. Because when you're bored, you're a stationary target for an enemy who wants to destroy you. See, when, when I went to Israel and I was with this, with this youth group, all I could th- literally all I thought about was I'd get up every day, I'd read my scripture because I, I I'm in the Old Testament and I wanted to find stuff and I just was pointing stuff out. And, and, and it, every evening when we'd get back to the hotel, first thing I'm doing, I'm checking to see if Janie's called or if there's messages and talking to her, and I go to bed, and I get up. I'm a little kid on Christmas every day. I'm in Israel, the, the Holy Land. It was awesome. Never, and I'm, I'm being totally honest. Never once did, did I, was I tempted because I was doing what I was supposed to be doing, right? But you get bored. You stay home when the family goes for a walk. You, you, you're a target. Not only, not only are you a target, you intentionally placed yourself in front of the enemy of God and said, have at it. It's arrogant. You're injured. You became confused. Confused people are very skilled, very skilled at justifying their sinful behavior and at justifying going places they should never be. And then these people who, who are injured, they're exposed, injured, confused, then they get married because that'll fix it. Marriage does not heal your old wounds. It exposes and magnifies them. If I could scare some of y'all from being married too soon, that's what I would want to do today because you need to get healthy before you get married. So you're exposed, you're injured, you're confused, and when you're confused, then you become addicted. The more you can can commit a sin, the more you want to commit that sin. Here's how Ephesians explains that. It says their minds, people who just commit sin all the time, their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God uh, gives because they have closed their minds and are hardened. They've hardened their own hearts, closed their mind, hardened their hearts, They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. You see, addicts see no way to get free, and and not only were they hooked a long time ago, but every time they sin now, they hear the enemy of God say, you're worthless. You'll never be free. You might as well continue to do it. And so a lot of people say, I'm just going to keep on doing it. It's who I am, and I'm going to keep it secret from the people I say I love. I'm not going to do those things. And can I tell you that when, when you get to that point, when you're addicted, 
you're exactly where the enemy of God wanted you when he first dangled the bait in front of you. His desire was to hook you, to entrap you, to drag you away so that you could never experience what the God of the universe created you to experience. He promised to free you. Oh, it's so restrictive not to have sex until marriage. It's so restrictive not to do this. That's what he's telling you. But in fact, following him leads to bondage. But here's the good news. You can heal from your wounds. How do you do that? How can you heal from lustful sexual wounds? First thing you got to do is protect. Do you know why I had to go to the doctor every three days with this third degree burn? Because if I hadn't, it could easily get infected. And, and I might not even have a leg today. And so the reason I healed um, was not because I was good at protecting. It's because my mama, once she realized how bad I was injured, and my doctor were relentless in protecting and, and taking care of that wound, cleaning it up, rewrapping it. <laughs> you can heal from your sexual sins if you will be relentless in protecting and guarding your heart. Here's what Psalm 119 says. How can a young man or young woman keep his way pure by guarding? There it is, guarding your heart, guarding it according to God's word. Thousands of years ago, the, the psalmist asked this question, how can we be pure? This is not a new problem. How do you guard your wound? You put some distance between you and the thing that tempts you. You don't put whatever it is that's tempting you on your shoulders. Hey, or on your dashboard, where you see it all the time. That's foolishness. There's bluebell in my ice cream freezer, right, I mean, in my freezer right now. And because there's bluebell in my freezer, at least once a day, I hear the call. You need bluebell. And I say, I, I need bluebell. I'm, I'm not making this up. Y'all, I'm not. And if there's no bluebell in my freezer, you know what the call says? Walmart is two minutes away. <laughs> I love me some bluebell. Bluebell is not good to me. Right? Some of you are way too close to the things that are, that are messing you up. And here's what Jesus, you want to hear what Jesus says about sin? Look at this. Matthew 5, 29, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it is better for you to lose one of the members than your, your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. It is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Now, if Jesus was being literal, we're going to have a whole lot of one-armed cyclopses walking into New, York, New Life Community Church next week. <laughs> hey, right? He wasn't being literal, but, but he was saying, don't you dare take sexual sin lightly. It will kill you. So I, I got a little, I guess I was inspired by family worship last week. So here's a little, here's a little uh, slogan for you. Be humble or you'll stumble. And here's what I mean by that. Humble people say, I can't go there. Oh, come on. No, 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 I can't go there. There are movies I can't watch because of what happened at Darren's house when I was 10 or 11 years old. I can't do it. And don't you be a tool of Satan and try to get me to watch it. Ah, oh, lighten up. No, I can't do it. Now, maybe you're, 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 probably, you're probably more mature than I am spiritually, so you can probably handle naked people doing naked stuff on screen, but I can't handle that. A humble person says, I can't. No. An arrogant person. No big deal. 
Doesn't affect me. I'm going to watch that. As As lovingly and as condescendingly as I can say, you're an idiot. You can't handle it. Arrogant people are going to stumble because they're going to put themselves in situations where they shouldn't be. The Apostle Paul, the greatest apostle, right, uh, the one who wrote half the New Testament, other than Jesus, probably the most important person in the New Testament times was Paul. Here's what Paul said about sexual immorality. He never said fight it. He never said resist it. You know what he said? Run, Forrest, run! Because when you're running... (laughs) <laughs> you ain't tempted, especially you're like Bluebell, man. You're breathing so hard, you can't even think any impure thoughts. You need to get rid of books, magazines, TV shows, movies, anything that causes you to lust. There, can I just say this honestly? There is nothing worth watching on Skinamax. Cinemax. thought some of you would catch it. Cinemax. But here's the key. Here's the key. You're only as strong as you are honest. If you're not going to be honest, you're not going to get over your sexual issues. So you're going to protect your heart. You're going to protect your mind. Third, uh, second thing is you're going to pursue. Stay far away from the things that harm you. You chase after things that promote healing. All right, here, we're going to finish with this, right? Now, everybody concentrate. I need you to concentrate. If you're online, you need you to concentrate. Look at this picture. I want you to get details. This is a pink elephant, but this pink elephant has details. Notice the little snout, you know, kind of has the, almost, almost like a heart top. Notice the little circles under the eyes. Isn't that cute? The tail. Look at the wing. This is a cute elephant. Study it, study it. As if you're going to draw a picture of it. Now close your eyes. Come on. Some of y'all online ain't closing your eyes. Do not think about this cute little elephant with the heart thing on its snout and the circles under its eyes and the cute little tail on the wings. Do not think about it. Look up, look up and, and look at the screen again. Look at the screen. Do not think about that elephant. Stop it. Quit thinking about the elephant. Look at the screen. Look at the screen. Don't you look away. You look at that screen. Don't think about that elephant. Close your eyes. Don't think about that elephant. What were you thinking about? The elephant. Why? Because you didn't substitute anything in you should have. Scripture says, how can a young man keep his way pure if you keep reading? In Psalm 119, it says, by keeping it according to your word. And then, then if you've been in church your whole life, you know this verse. Psalm 119, 11. Your word I've hidden my heart that I might not sin against you. When I was quoting that verse, and you're thinking, do I know that verse? Did you think about the pink elephant? Only if you were looking at it, right? It's called substitute thinking. You pursue what's right. So you need to learn... It, it, I'm going to tell you a book that both men and women should read if, if you have any issues with this. Um, it's called Every Man's Battle. One of the best books I've ever seen on it. Second one for women, Every Woman's Battle. Creative titles. If all you ever do is say, don't have lustful thoughts, don't have lustful thoughts, what are you going to have? Lustful thoughts. Let's go back to Ephesians 4, 18 and 19. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander from the life, far from the life God gives because, because they've closed their minds. They've hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure because that's all they ever focus on and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. They're not living the life God wants because they're chasing the wrong things. You have to chase the right things. Lust is going to take you far from God. It's going to kill everything that God desires for you to have in a marriage someday. The life God wants, intimacy, no secrets, deep connection with your spouse. The f- no fear of ever getting caught because you're not guilty. 
By the way, if you, if you tell the truth, you don't have to have a long memory. If you tell a lie, you better have a great memory. Everything you've ever said. The, in, the enemy of God wants to destroy you. And I'm going to tell you this, the times that you're going to be most vulnerable, times I'm most vulnerable, is when you aren't doing, when I'm not doing what God has called me to do, just what John was talking about today. Because when, we're, when, when he's up here playing, when we're having rehearsal, he's focusing on God. The enemy doesn't have near as much access to his life when he's doing what God's called him to do. Some of you don't do anything in the kingdom of God. That just doesn't seem very wise to me. If you want to be in bondage, by all means, keep doing what you've always done. But if you want to be free, you can be. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your love and your grace. Thank you for the fact that you have told us how we can be pure. Help us to be wise enough to do it. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And irony of all ironies, I went six minutes over. Some of y'all already been saying, hurry up. But it's a 10 o'clock service, so we're still getting out before everybody else. So get over it. Um, we have one more uh, uh, sermon in this series. It's on anger. <laughs> Nobody struggles with that. Um, so we'll be totally empty next week. We're hoping by July to have our children's area back open. Um, <laughs> yes, praise God. And so uh, we're working towards that. Um, remember our license to carry class is coming up. We need you to sign up so we make sure that we have enough food that day because uh, it's $60 and that covers lunch. Sign up back here in the living room. Also, if you're going to participate in um, Mission Palestine with us and go down here to, uh, was it Quail, Quail Valley? Um, Laura Stone has already been going around finding out who, who wants us to come, who doesn't. She's got a diagram. This is awesome. She got a diagram. This house said no, and she marked that off. And so she's, she's contacting the neighbors, so we're going to have all kinds of stuff to do that day. And there's some elderly folks out, down there that need help. We need to know if you're coming. So back here on the, on the uh, Welcome Center, there's a sign-up sheet, and it has which nights. So we're going to be going down there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night, the 15th, 16th, and 17th of July. So just write your name down, your phone number, and which night or nights you can come help us. If you're going to spend the night, we need to know that you're going to spend the night on Friday night because then we're going to work over here uh, around the pond in our recreation area. Uh, we want to know that you're coming so we have enough food and, and that we uh, have enough space and all of that. Um, the, the way you give here, you can either give back there in the joy basket. Very few people give in our joy basket, honestly, anymore. Um, most people give online. That's through push pay. And the reason we give is because we believe that God is, is bigger than, than all of our imaginations put together. And then when we give, we're saying, God, we're going to trust you financially. We're going to believe you're going to do some things through us. What I'm praying is that we walk down here or drive down here to, to Quail Valley. I always want to say the wrong thing. To Quail Valley and that the light of Jesus shines in such a way that someone comes to know Christ, that someone is delivered from some type of, of sin that they've never. You, you do not know what God will do when you serve him. And so I want us, my desire, we're going to get some t-shirts and, and we're all going to wear the same shirts, which means you'll have to wash more than once that week. Um, we're going to go down there and we're going to spread the love of Jesus. I want us to be like locusts. I want us to just go around weed eaters and, and mowers and, and all that kind of stuff. And I want people to ask, why are you doing this? And our only goal is God has blessed us. We want to be a blessing. God is a light to us. We want to be a light. Nothing else other than that. All right, I've gone way too long. Stand up, hug. No, don't hug. Don't hug. Don't hug. Yes, wait. 
Oh, I'm sorry. CR starts again tomorrow, Celebrate Recovery. The men will be in the back, um, social distance in the back. Um, the women will be, are y'all meeting in the, in the living room? Okay, we do have child care for this and for women's Bible study on Tuesday night, but here's the deal. We have a, a non-touch thermometer. If your child has 100 degrees or more, you cannot come, they cannot stay at child care. Uh, I was talking to somebody about this, and they said, we should have had this rule all along because um, I know you want to get away from your kids for an hour or two, but if they're sick, we can't have them here. So at CR, we have child care, but they will be scanned, and our little, our little scanner even has a red light, and if it pops up red, I'm sorry. Don't get mad at the person. Get mad at me. I'll take it. Just say that pastor. Well, you can say whatever you want to say about that pastor. But seriously, if, if it's 100 degrees, we're not going to let your child stay at child care. And so you go home and get them well and then come back next time. So CR starts tomorrow, 6 p.m., uh, men and women. And then um, women's Bible study, or do you want to meet with the men? The men are going to meet as well just to see the men are not nearly as organized as the women. So 6 o'clock Tuesday night in the house, get out of here.